Welcome to the Hip Hop Minded Professional. With me, Joshua Rogers as the Master of Ceremonies. If you're interested in knowing how rapping, DJing, breaking, graffiti, and the hip hop culture can positively influence your mindset, then you are in the right place. On this podcast, I speak to various professionals with a background in hip hop and go into how this background influenced their mindset and careers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome by the Hip Hop Minded Professional. Uh, today I've got a guest, uh, he's toured different countries, he does different things with music. My man, introduce yourself. Who are you? What all do you do? Well, first off, thanks for having me on the Hip Hop Minded Podcast. I appreciate all that you do. I appreciate all the work that you put out to others by helping them. Uh, like you said, my name is Wordsmith. I'm a, a songwriter, I'm a performer. I'm an entrepreneur and a philanthropist um, as well. I do a lot of work in my community out here, you know, through my music. I try to work with a lot of the youth. I try to encourage the youth. I try to give them purpose in life. And I try to use my music to convey, I would say, my messages. And as far as on the business side of things, I've had an entertainment company since 2009. I have a distribution deal with Groove's Universal Music Group that I put my music out through. I have a couple partnerships with uh, a couple licensing companies like APM, uh, ESPN Music. I work with WWE, uh, Netflix, and I work with Hulu as well on just writing musical content for different programs, you know, for them. On my nonprofit side, this is something that's been a more recent venture for me because I opened it up during the pandemic in June. Mm And uh, I just felt like during that time where even a lot of people are saying, man, you're opening up a nonprofit in the middle of all of this. To me, that's when it was needed the most, you know, and my nonprofit's called Rise With A Purpose. And right now we're actually partnering up with a company called doTERRA Wellness and Mm -hmm. we're raising money for a consistent music school out here in Baltimore City because our our, uh, school curriculum doesn't have a music program, class or anything that it offers our kids. So out here in Baltimore City, we have a high crime rate. Uh, We have a high rate of drug use out here. We have a high rate of black youth that ends up in jail on the streets and just giving them something to go to, you know, with black culture, music is big. But I just know in general, you know, giving kids something to focus on will keep them out of trouble. So I'm just really trying to make sure, you know, I make this happen with the music school. Ah, nice, nice. And if we, um, and did this all, let's say, grow from you being an artist? So did you did it did it let's say did it start with the music and then branch out? Yeah, I think once I found myself as an artist, I knew I didn't want to just make throwaway music. I knew that anything I put out needed to have some type of impact on society, or me sharing my opinion, or or me uh, portraying to regular people that you know the music I'm writing is relatable. You know, so a song topic can relate to I feel like anybody that's been through struggle, or anybody that's had success, or mm-hmm. anybody that's. Uh, tried to achieve something and failed, you know, or, you know, just everyday things that happen to us humans, yeah, yeah. you know, is the stuff I write about. I don't know about a life of just hanging out in a club with drinks everywhere. We've all had fun nights like that, but that's yeah. not my everyday. That's not every blue collar person's everyday. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I try to look at the things that I know will help, especially the youth be successful when they become teenagers, adults. And also to the point where they can take that knowledge they acquired and then help the next person, 
you yeah. know, when it's when it's their turn. And and when, let's say, at what point in time in your youth did you decide, hey, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be an artist? That's a good question. I wasn't the type of person that all through my life I said, oh, I want to be a musician. I was really into sports, especially football. I loved music, especially hip hop. And um, I started building a, you know, a tape collection back when I was 10 years old. Even mm -hmm. if y'all know what VHS tape is, taping your own TV raps out here <laughs> every weekend. And I, I had a big love for music, but football was my thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I think as I got older and I realized I had a, you know, God gave me a gift for writing music, arranging music. And I would just say, you know, being a leader as well, you know, um, getting people to, I don't like to use the word follow, but support yeah, yeah. Uh, different movements and you and supporting different, uh, I would say, ways to move society forward and change. And so through my music, you know, a lot of my fans, I meet them through my music, but I more meet them they'll contact me and say, yo, I love who, what you're about. You know what I mean? Or I love what you stand for. Yeah, yeah. I like those messages better because I want my fans to be a part of my journey, but also them feel like, you know, if I met word anywhere, I could just hang out yeah, on the yeah, couch yeah. and chill with him yeah. and talk with him. I don't want to feel, you know, even though now you can kind of reach out to any artist you want through social media, but yeah. artists can still feel a million miles away and untouchable. <clears throat> And with me, I just, again, it's about being relatable. It's about making everybody feel that they uh, get the attention they deserve and not brushing people off. And that's just another comment that I get from people as they say, you know, I know you probably get a lot of messages, but, you know, you'll take the time to write me back. And I even apologize to fans and be like, I'm sorry it took me two days to get back to yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. and this and that. But fans give you a career so to me you better not dare not write somebody back yeah, show yeah, yeah 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 and let's say qua your career because you're you're where is your market bigger in the u.s or international it's definitely u.s but i'm definitely an international artist which is you know why i'm just blessed to tour you know mm -hmm. overseas a lot along with my domestic gigs here in america Um, I would say my biggest places overseas, uh, one is Africa, definitely France, um, Germany, United Kingdom. Uh, these are locations where, you know, I know, you know, I have, you know, nice fan bases, know yeah, that I yeah. would be accepted. And so uh, other countries that I'm able to go to, there are countries that sometimes American artists never tour to, yeah, never yeah. give the time of day. But You know, I'll get booked to go there. I want to go there and not just go there and do concerts, but I'll go there and do workshops, uh, whether I'm teaching hip hop history workshops, whether I'm mm. teaching the basics of uh, structuring a song correctly, you know, um, teaching people how to record from home. Yeah. Just yeah. giving people giving people the power, you know, to be successful on their own and not having to just rely on other people all the time. Ah, nice, nice, nice. So you really also focus on on the let's say the the growth aspect behind everything so that you uh the empowerment aspect and the the growth aspect uh, that's that's uh, that's really really nice to hear and from how uh, how did that like happen because i can um you know it's it's one thing to be known locally it's a total <laughs> something different to be known let's say internationally also in places where that some u.s artists won't even think on going uh, how, how did how, how did that process go well i was uh 
a couple years, I would say back in 2016, this, um, I got approached to come audition for um, a tour with mm-hmm. uh, this company called American Voices. And what they would do is they would send artists to different countries um, to hold concerts and normally basically send artists to countries where they knew they had, I would say, some traction already and countries where they knew they could impact, you know, through their music, knowing that they had, I would say, somewhat of a fan base in these different places. Because a lot of touring is just getting your funding that you need to tour. And this is for even major label artists. You got to have the unfortunate money when mm-hmm. we talked about a lot off air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have the fi- the financing, you know what I mean, to, to tour because there's so many little small details. And so I went and auditioned for this company and um, they were like, you know, we love to work with you. And they ended up sending me to Africa, to three different regions in Africa. And they sent me to uh, two different regions in Israel. Mm-hmm. And so I was ended up being gone for a month. And while I was gone during that month, I kind of saw how they did things. I kind of took in all the knowledge of setting up a tour, all the intricacies of it in the detail. And so towards the end of the tour, I said, man, I can start doing these through my own company and yeah, doing yeah. this myself and uh, making this happen. And that's exactly what I did. And since 2016, I literally uh, do all my own bookings myself, whether, you know, a country will reach out to me or I'll reach out to them or mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just work out deals, you know, and even now, and what's going on with the pandemic where I had lost all my shows, I'm in the mode now where I'm doing virtual tours. So I had my actual first virtual tour last month and I did it for Tunisia and I have yeah. a real big one coming up. It's a 12 day virtual tour I'm doing for Panama. And just so you know how that kind of works, cause you're probably yeah. like virtual tour, what is that? Well, basically with the virtual tour, I have a professional studio that I work out of mm-hmm. and we're able to put on shows that look like any show that you would go to, go see, you know, at a, mm-hmm, at a good mm-hmm. venue where you got a good light show, good audio, um, you know, just a good time. Yeah, yeah. And so I go to the studio to do my performances. I go to the studio to hold my workshops. So I'm giving the audiences um, still a great version of them actually being there. Yeah, yeah. And and then it's a mix of also I work in days where it's kind of at home teaching where I was talking about earlier, where I teach them about how it's structured music, uh, talk them about production, home recording, performing, really just going through all the different steps in a four day span. And at yeah, the end yeah. of that four day span, these kids actually create a song of their own. And when we do the live concert, they take part in the live concert and they get to perform their song on their end. So we're just, it's all about adjusting. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't believe in defeat. You just adjust and move forward. Yeah. 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 And how, how did that, that change from live to virtual feel for you? Let's say, how was, how was that uh, first virtual concert? How did that feel? <laughs> it, it didn't feel really weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had a laptop in front of me with a bunch of boxes of people, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I think, the atmosphere made it feel normal because I was on a stage, mm-hmm. you know what I said? Um, I had my full band behind me, had the light show popping. It felt like a regular show. It just, you just didn't have the people in front of you, but yeah, when you yeah. were done with a song, you could hear pe- people are clapping in front of you. You know what I mean? I, I'm interacting with a crowd. So I have moments where I ask for crowd participation. So you're still able to do that. Ah, nice. And you just hope, yeah, you hope that the people on the other end that might be sitting in their room or hanging in their living room or wherever they're watching it, that they'll feel comfortable be like, all right, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get into this. Yeah, this yeah, is my yeah. entertainment for tonight, you know? And 
that's the thing is you don't want people to feel awkward. You want them to be like, what would you normally do if you was at a show right now? Yeah. You would be partying. You'd be jumping up and down. You'd be having a good time. You wouldn't just be sitting on your couch like this. You know, so <laughs> I try to make sure even though there's people that are used to going to see shows, they've lost that feeling of going to a show. And they're just like, I'm used to watching everything from my living room or my bedroom or my yeah, laptop. Yeah. And that takes away from using your body. So I'm like, nah, get up. Let's go. Get out of that. Shake it out. Let's get ready to get into this show. You know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, nice, nice. And if you look at, um, we're going to go back a little bit more more back in time. So <clears throat> you started looking at the, the different aspects of the industry without, let's say, being bigger than only being an artist. Did that also originate when you started to see from, hey, I can do tours somewhere else? Or was that curiosity always there? I would say the curiosity was always there because when I first started my career, I was big on the business side of things. I knew I wanted to have my own company and mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want to have to work so much through third parties and middlemen. And, you know, I wanted to be my own boss because I like to move on stuff quick, you know, and I like to, I'm very responsive and I like to definitely, uh, build partnerships. And I knew all these things would be important. It's not the music side to me. And I'm not saying this in any bad way. That should be the easiest side of this business. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Once you decide I want to be a musician, what your path is as a musician, that should be the easiest side. The hardest side is your business, yeah, exposing yeah. your music, finding the right partnerships that work for your brand, um, expanding your brand, creating your brand, uh, of course, creating your fan base that love you you know not just for your music but who you are and what you represent because it's a direct reflection of them your fans yeah, are, yeah. are a direct reflection a lot of times and that's why they like certain artists to other ones you know so all that has to be a part of your thought process you can't just jump in and drop a record one day it you will honestly you might get lucky you know <laughs> but most of the time you're gonna meet failure unfortunately yeah, yeah. because you didn't do any planning you just came out And you got to understand, it's so many fish in the sea. It's so many people clawing for everybody's attention in this day and age with all this content. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to what are you about? What do you stand for? What is your music going to be about? Because you can't really now, to me, jump in and out of different stuff. It's like if you're about conscious music, you got to deliver that on a conscious level and a commercial level. Yeah. yeah. If you're about just a party music you got to be able to deliver that party music to people that just love party music but also people like myself that i don't want to hear party music at six in the morning so how yeah. you gonna get my attention you feel yeah, what i'm saying because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all you make and so you have to almost decide i might be cutting off this target audience because this is what i'm about but i know i'm staying true to myself me people know for me that I'm an activist. People know about me that I'm a motivational person. Mm -hmm, They mm -hmm. know about me that I'm big into politics. They know I'm into a lot of Black Lives Matter movements. Mm -hmm. They know I'm into being blunt and speaking my mind. So yeah, you yeah. know the music you're going to get from me is going to reflect that. You won't see me coming out. And there's no disrespect to anybody. No crazy colored suits on, crazy colored hair, and dancing around looking stupid in a video about chicken. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, Just yeah. No meaning to it. That's yeah. not disrespecting anybody because there's a lane for that type of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if I came out with that, people would be like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm totally turned off. Yeah. Whereas the flip side, you take an artist that normally does that type of music to try to do something that has sense behind it and logic, people be like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And we saw that during the pandemic. You saw a lot of artists had 
no relevance when the pandemic first hit because the music they made didn't vibe with what was going on in the country yeah you know yeah. at that time everybody was struggling i don't want to hear about you chilling in the club i want to hear about your fancy car i don't want to hear about that so you saw artists disappear for a while yeah. celebrities had nothing to say for a while because they were privileged you know what I mean? Where me, I had a voice through the whole pandemic. Yeah. I had a voice through all the racial inequality that was going on because that's what people already knew of me. You know, so just keep that in mind, yeah. all especially new artists when you're starting. What are you about before you drop your first music and learn the business before you start? And uh, so you you you're a real broad thinker. And then my question yeah. is to you, how out of all the the music genres, lifestyles that you could have chosen, how how did your choice end up on the hip-hop side of things? Well, reality hit me in, in 98. And um, I was at Morgan State University on football scholarship. And I ended up transferring to another university called Salisbury. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple injuries. I tore my meniscus and I played on it for a whole year. And I was in my junior year of college. And that's kind of when reality hit me, man. And I just said, you know, a lot of people don't make it to the NFL. I said, I've had a couple injuries. Yeah. And, you know, I also didn't feel, you know, I had played to the ability to even get a look for the NFL. And that was just me being realistic, you yeah, know, with yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. And so I pretty much said, you know, I love music. I know I have a talent there at that time too. You know, I loved acting as well. Um, one of my degrees is actually in acting. Mm -hmm. And that was something my mother always was in my ear about is you should do acting. You, you're good at it. You should do it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the entertainment side of things took over. And I said, you know, I know in the entertainment business, this is something I can be successful at. It can be long term. It's something I could even pass to my kids down the line. You can't really do that with a sport. You know, you can teach your kid a sport, but you can't really pass a sport down yeah, to a yeah. child. But when you build a business, whatever business that is, that's something that creates a family legacy, whether it's music, a restaurant, you know, a school, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. something that you can create a legacy for you. You know, of when you pass away, you know, there's your legacy, you know, yeah. through your business. And so the other thing was, I said, how many people could I really impact by playing a sport? You can impact some people, mm -hmm. but normally it's the it's the notable players, yeah, which yeah, everybody's yeah. not going to be a notable big time player. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. going to have impact. So I said with music, yeah, you have to have notoriety, but you don't at the same time because you can make a song and you can put it out there that's real time on what's going on mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm. time. And it's just no different than you sitting down with a friend or a family member and sharing your opinion. And that's to me what music truly is, is you sharing your opinion mm, yeah. and then you have other people that like your opinion that say, I support this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and if, yeah. You, if you can look at it that way and not look at music as, man, I want to be all over the radio. I want to be all over TV. 90% of you will not get there. I'm one of those people. I've been, my music videos get on TV. I've got on radio here and there, but that hasn't defined me as an artist. Yeah, I'm yeah. not known all over the world to where everybody's like, I want to hear your music. I'm, I'm scrambling for it. That's yeah. not me. And I'm fine with that. Because my impact is bigger than just the music I put out. It's what I said earlier. It's touching lives and impacting lives. Yeah, yeah. I have friends from all around the world because of the work I've been able to do. And I I know every major label artist can't truly say that. You know what I mean? They can't truly say they have the personal engagement that I get to have when I go to a lot of these different countries. So, uh, Yeah, oh, nice, nice. And if you look at them, 
like you said in the beginning, you do like a, a bunch of stuff on the, um, with music. With, with let's say music is kind of involved, but you do a lot. You work with a lot of big companies. How how did you go from let's say being 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 the artist in Baltimore to working with WWE and and the Netflixes? Uh, how ca- carry us on that journey? <laughs> Yeah, that was early on in my career when I got started, when I was telling you just getting my business together, Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. really researched how can an independent artist get paid outside of just trying to get on the radio, which is a crap shot, or trying to get on TV, which is tough as well. Yeah. And I saw music licensing was a thing that popped up. And when I really looked at it, I said, oh, okay, I get this. So the music we hear on TV or you hear in a commercial or you hear in a movie, you never really think. You know, whose music is that sometimes? Or how is that person getting paid? It just kind of just goes over your head. And I started seeing the amount of money that artists were making. And it was artists that I never heard of that, you know, had four or five huge placements in movies. And y'all be like, oh, that's who made that song in that movie that I like. And it's like, that artist isn't big, but they're making a living, you know? And so I said, that's my lane right there, music licensing. Because at heart, I'm a songwriter. I can write any type of music. I'm really good at writing music fast. And so I said, that's the lane for me. Because I could I could get an assignment and knock it out in two or three days. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I love doing. And so what I did first initially was I started kind of sending demos out to mm-hmm, different mm-hmm, uh, licensing mm-hmm. companies. And um, I had a company called APM Music. And they're actually one of the biggest music licensing companies in the world now, uh, next to Sony. And they took a liking to my music. And I actually been working with them since 2015. And they've got my music in so many different programs. And uh, they were my initial connection to ESPN Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before I kind of, I would say, built my own relationship with them directly through my company. Yeah, yeah. But um, they're my direct connection to... Uh, doing the work I do with Netflix right now, the work I've done with the WWE, uh, the work that I've done with NFL Network. I do a ton of work with them as well. I've worked with ABC, Fox, USA Network. Uh, almost every network out there, I've had yeah, yeah. you know a great opportunity to work with them in some format, whether it's placements on a TV show, commercial, jingle, uh, you name it. And the way licensing works is kind of once you get in that cycle, you're you're set for you're set for life with that. I mean, yeah, I got yeah. songs that I wrote ten years ago that I still get paid for, and so this is income that I know will never die for me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I could yeah. pass away tomorrow, and it's income my kids would always have the rest of their life. Yeah. yeah. And so I would just tell independent artists, music licensing is is the key to your livelihood. Yeah. Uh, trust me, because once you could get one placement, and you'll get paid for that the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's some good tips because of course most most people when they start as an artist, you know, you 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 start because you saw an artist, you're like, oh man, that's <laughs> uh, that's that's great, I want to do that, you know, and yeah. then and then so then you have in your in your mind the game plan is okay, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna be that person on. Uh, there's no yo MTV raps anymore, but I'm gonna be that person on TV. You know, I'm 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 gonna be I'm gonna be the person where they see that music video or that they're gonna hear on the radio, and like what you said, there are other ways of actually getting an income from still being an artist without being the guy that's all over on TV and on on every let's say on every website. 
So that's a, that, that's a good piece of info uh, to give to them. And if you um, look at all the things that, you, that you've done, what would be your currently your top four life lessons on not only the artist side, but also, let's say, the personal side that you would pass on to someone else? Uh, I would say the first one is to just be open to all cultures, um, just being able to travel and experience so many different cultures. You know, you get to learn about, I think, humanity. You know, all of us, we have different cultures from different countries we're from that make us unique. And I think if as long as your mind is open to accepting that and not just being, well, this is how it is in my country and that's just the way I like it. You're closing yourself off from, to me, so much enrichment of knowledge and so much enrichment of culture. So I would say I encourage people to travel in your lifetime. You know, if you have the means and it doesn't mean you have to spend a bunch of money, it could just be a neighboring country. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's good to just go experience different places, different people um, and, and different structures. I would say too, um, work on trying not to judge people. Uh, basically, accepting people who they are as far as their skin color, um, the way they present themselves physically to you. Because a lot of time we judge people just because they look different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When someone looks different than me, I'm like, man, that person is unique and they they really love themselves. They're comfortable yeah. in their skin. You know what I mean? That they're like, oh, I'm, this is how I feel. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to dress that way. So I would say be comfortable, you know, in your own skin, be yourself, no matter how crazy it might look to somebody else, be true to yourself. You know what I mean? Uh, I would say three is that offer opportunities to others. When you feel you've been a reach a level of success and uh, you've reached a level where, again, you're able to support yourself and your family off your passion. At that point in time, it's to me, it's your duty to try to grab someone who was in that same quest that you were once on and try to cut their quest down. And what I mean by that is I haven't had that person that grabbed my arm and said, do this, do this, do this. Don't fall for that. Don't do this. And so I just really learned from trial and error. So yeah, yeah. anytime I work with an artist, I'm really trying to give them the knowledge that I didn't get. And I'm really trying to take their arm and say, hey, this is how you present yourself professional. This is how you build a relationship. This is how you need to respond to people so they will take you serious and respect you, you know, as an artist and businessman eventually. And so I really care about giving others opportunities that helps fulfill me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would say four, um, and this is being an entrepreneur. It's, it's so important that you run your own business. And I'm talking about going through the good and bad at this. Uh, yeah, 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 this yeah. kind of can go with the pandemic too. <laughs> is it's, it's tough during the pandemic because there's a lot of business owners that when you build something from scratch, man, it's like a baby to you, you yeah. know, and you go, man, this was nothing. You know, I remember this year and now five years later, it's this and it's making this amount of money. And I've been able to employ these 20 people and yeah, their yeah, families yeah. are taking care. You have all these blessings, you know, and when you think about when you get hired and you go into a job and you have all these people that's over top of you and you're looking you're looking up going, I hope I can get up to this level. One yeah, day. Yeah. And you might never get there because you got people deciding your fate. Really, yeah. you could do the best job and you get someone else can get a promotion over you and then you're frustrated. But when you're your own boss, you set the terms, the guidelines, you decide how fair you're going to be. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. You should be fair. You know, and with me, 
artists that I'm bringing on, especially in 2021, with people know me as I'm reliable and my word is good and I'm going to be passionate. I want to see the artists I bring on. I'm not just bringing them on to say, hey, I got this artist and this artist. I'm bringing them on because I'm able to invest in them. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely want to see these artists be successful. I want them to see and experience some of the same blessings that I've had, yeah. you know, in my career, whether it was a struggle to get there or not. <laughs> I want them to have less of a struggle so they can be self-sufficient. I'm not, you know, I tell them I'm not here to, I don't want to hold your hand forever because then I'm babying you. You know, I want to yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe you for a little bit, then you need to become self-sufficient so then you can do your own thing. And then eventually you want to flip that and go, Hey, I want to bring sign this artist. I want to work with these people. And then yeah. it just keeps building, you know, from there. Uh, yeah. Nice. Nice. And this now we have we've had it really about let's say the the artist side of things, but you also do a, a lot of let's say for social impact. How 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 did you let's say roll into that? Was it um, was it out of necessity or did you see somewhere that you're like nah this is something I gotta address? How how did that go about? That that came from experience actually uh, back in 2013, out here in my hometown of Baltimore City, I, I dealt with police brutality. I uh, I literally just questioned the cop. I had two cops. We was in an area, just to paint the picture, that's always heavily packed with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And me and another one of my black friends were just kind of sitting out front of this area. And we had two cops that came on both sides of us, two white cops. And they told us we had to leave. Again, I'm from Baltimore City. And I told them, I said, it was probably 1.30 a.m. in the morning this time. They said, you guys got to, you know, you need to leave. I said, I live out here. These clubs don't close to 2.30 a.m. Yeah, yeah. That one statement, I was on the ground. I spent two days locked up. No phone call. My kids, my parents didn't even know where I was at. Okay? And again, this is just from questioning the cop. Them, yeah. not, them not liking me saying my truth, which yeah. was not even a big truth. It was just saying, your information's wrong. I don't got to go nowhere. This isn't private property. I'm chilling. Yeah. So... That was my first time. I always knew that, of course, there was racial inequality here in America, but that was my first time where I was like, I was singled out. And I got put in a jail cell literally just for being black one night. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And minding my business and then being black, but then questioning a white cop and making him, I guess, feel embarrassed. You know what I mean? When you have time to think about it from his side, he's like, you're not going to embarrass me out here in front of my partner. And yeah, all these people. yeah, 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 yeah. Even though you're right and I'm wrong, yeah. I'm not having it. So all these thoughts go through your mind and you kind of had this out of body experience and you go, man, this is these are the little small rumblings that I would hear about growing up of this, yeah, you know, yeah. black people suffering from this. But you say to yourself, I'm not one of them. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. So, that's what you say. Like, I know it goes on, but it hasn't happened to me. So I'm not one of them. Yeah. And I became one of them. And that it just really awoke in my spirit to where I said, I already do talk about some of this in my music, but I really need to enlightened more through my music uh well what's going on so you know fast forward to where we are in 2020 where we had so many issues of racial inequality that were put on front street mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so much so that man it's like brought tears in my eyes to see other countries including your country to support black lives the way y'all did to see the mass amount of people out there dealing with an issue that is not even an issue in their particular country, you know what I mean? Or yeah, even yeah, to the yeah. same magnitude to be like, we even know this is wrong. And I and it just hits you and you go, if another country knows this is wrong, how is it our country doesn't know this is wrong? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's like you got to be out there. And it was it's all about enlightening people and to be out there in assemblies, be out there in protests and talking to the white community and them being out there and going, I didn't know or I want to learn yeah, yeah, or I've yeah. been in the dark. That's the stuff. That's the key tag words you want to hear is I want to know. I want to learn. I was in the dark. You don't want to hear. Well, you know, hopefully you guys, uh, you know, this will change or you'll get over it or nah, man, you're not understanding the magnitude. We have been oppressed in this country from day one. All right. So we're still trying to fight for just having an even playing field. Yeah, we have a lot of rights now. But if you really think about in America, our civil rights movement was in the 1970s. It's yeah. 2020. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there's rights that have not fully been intact still. So I, it was my duty to be out there in the streets, enlighten people, protest for what I believe in, but also be a great example for my kids and them see that there's something you believe in. You can't sit idle. You can't always just sit on the couch. You can't always just send an email. Sometimes you got to get up. You got to be out there physically. Yeah. Yeah. Put the message out there in the streets. Yeah, and and if you um if you look at because you've you've toured on say, different countries, how did the touring affect your view on let's say on on life in general and the the difference between let's say being home things that happened home and actually how things go in the rest of the world. Well. You know, I, I've got to hear from a lot of my friends from around the world that, you know, especially when everything happened with George Floyd, it was global news. And so I think that was the first time, you know, because some of the countries I go to, I'm literally I'm the only black person there. You know, yeah. for example, when I went to Azerbaijan. Uh, I mean, I don't think that had been a black person in Azerbaijan in maybe 10 years. And I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it was a big deal uh, to them. You know, when I was out there, my band was out there and to see a black face every day, to see a black face walking around in the mall. And that's the only black face that you have seen in years. And, you know, yeah. kids that would just stare at you because the only blackness they've ever experienced is on TV or in a movie. They've yeah. never actually been like there's physically one here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's just blows your mind. There's places in the world that are so cut off still that. They've never seen a live black person even say it like that. A live black person, yeah, 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 a black yeah. person in the flesh, in the flesh. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So those same people, when George Floyd happened, they really it hit them hard because they said, "Man, not only do we don't have the presence of a black person here or a black community here, you are dealing with injustices that we don't know nothing about." Because yeah. in a place like Azerbaijan, everybody has issues, but you just have one kind of race there. You know what I mean? Azerbaijani, you know what I mean? Or you can go to another country and there's just one race there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> That's it. You go to Ukraine, it's just Ukrainians. You're not going to go there and it's going to be a black Ukrainian or, you know what I mean? An yeah, uh, Arabic yeah, yeah. Ukrainian. And if they are, they move there later in life or something. You know, it's just not common. Yeah. Where America, you can come to America and you know, or even like United Kingdom, you could go there and it could be an Arab, somebody that's from the Arabic world that has a British accent, which I think is so cool and unique. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's countries in the world that do not experience diversity at all. You know, so the shock of that hit globally where people were like, man, the only real touch I have to that is when I met Wordsmith when he came here. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? He was the first black person I ever met. I love his music. I truly understand his his 
his struggle that he goes through in his country, I need to reach out and show him I got love for him. I got support for him and I get it. I had people from all over the world just reaching out to show that love. And on the flip side, I had people, white friends here that I didn't haven't heard from to this day yeah, since yeah. all this stuff has been going on that I felt I should have heard from them, that they should have spoke up and said, hey, man, I just want you to know I'm here supporting you. I understand why you're out here doing what you're doing. I understand why George Floyd's death is so big. You know what I mean? Not that it's only his death, but so many others, but why yeah, his particular yeah. death was so big globally silence man so i don't know what you call that yeah 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 well but it's also good to like to hear how let's say the ones you met on tour also send support but that's that also gives an an uh it shows how let's say music in essence actually connects everyone on a on a global scale like you said that you that you get to go to azerbaijan and just you know be that one guy everyone is in the mall like oh wait a minute they they actually really exist you know but yes yeah. <laughs> but i can I can, and i can also assume that for you also that's like a whole a whole new experience of course because when you come from somewhere where you're let's say and then we're going to talk like it's a species you know, where you're common <laughs> and then you go to somewhere where you 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 let's say basically almost are non-existent I mean that yeah. could that I, I think from my from a mental perspective that can also do a lot with you. Yeah, it did. I'm I'm so glad you're bringing it up because um, it did. It when you come back to America, and I always feel even more enlightened every time I come back home to America because just the experiences do something to your mind, you know, and it tells you too that yeah, you're supposed to travel, you're supposed to experience new cultures. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's jarring because again. I've been able to travel. I've been blessed to do it. I don't take it for granted. But I, I think that's why you need to travel too, because I saw the way it wasn't like when I went to Azerbaijan, it wasn't that I wasn't treated bad. I was treated like a king out there, but I was treated like a king because they appreciated who I was, my culture, my blackness. The uh, They listen to hip hop. You know, they listen to black music out there. So yeah, yeah. there's the appreciation of you're here. You're going to be performing for us. We don't never get to see this. You know what I mean? No yeah, American yeah. artists come here that we love. You know what I mean? So if you don't have appreciation here in America or you feel that, you know, maybe you're oppressed to extreme level here in America, you could travel and go to another country where you will feel no oppression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that's why, too, some Americans, black, white, Latino, whatever, Asian, they'll go and live to in another country to not feel the oppression that's here, you know, here in America. That's so, it can be just daunting on you. Yeah. And so I think you see that, man, my blackness can be appreciated in different parts of the country. Whereas maybe in my own home, it's a struggle to have that same appreciation. That's why we have this big, this big world. No one says that just because you were born in this particular country that you got stayed here forever. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Go venture out. And and is it also something that you um, that you pass on to to the students you teach? I do, I do. I always tell them, you know, that's a lot of what's made me the man I am is because I've met so many great people. I've met so many uh, people that have let me engulf myself in their culture. You know, when people allow me to stay in their house for a night, have have a meal with their family, stuff that you normally shouldn't do as an artist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's the level of engagement that I go to. 
when I go to these countries is I'm the dude that'll do a show. And then after the show, one, take it in like we talked about off air, but talk to the people that were there. Because you always got people that just stay after that want to try to talk to to the artists. You know what I mean? And so I would talk to them, but not just that. You got people that that really want to go to the highest degree and take the experience in and be like, word, let me take you to my spot over here, man. You feel like dancing or you feel like getting something to eat or you want to get something to drink. And they really, they, they do this because not because they love your music and who you are, but it's important to them that you take a memory back home from their country Yeah, yeah. that you go, man, when I hung out with blah, 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 I had this drink that I can't get nowhere else that I remember. Or I yeah, had this, yeah. this, this food item that, man, I got to get it next time I go back. But if you're not willing to, take those experiences in, you know, or you're the type of artist that when the show's over, you're just like, all right, peace, I'm out. And they don't see you no more after that. You're actually cutting your experience short. Yeah, I don't yeah. do that. You know, I, I'm safe, of course. You don't want to just go any and everywhere. But I try to take advantage of what's being offered from the people that live right there in that city, community, or whatever, because that's where you're going to get the, uh, I would say, the meat and potatoes of your visit. Yeah, yeah, you 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 get to experience the culture as it is there, and not let's you you. Usually, when I go on a, on a, on trips, I try to um, go to let's say the local spots, you know. So you you have your 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 tourist locations where the tour operator is going to say, okay, we're going to go there and there and there and there, and then you have the spots where the locals go, you know, and there you really really get to take in. What what the culture is about, you know how the food really tastes, you know how you know the, you you really get also the smells of the the location, the country itself, and that is exactly how you experience it while being on tour, you know, because you take the time to go look at go with the person and go to that bar that they that they want to take you to, or take the time and and eat with them at home, you know, it 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 enriches it enriches actually both of your worlds because yeah. they they get to talk to you about about regular stuff you know and, and let's say uh, you they're artists you don't get a chance to talk about with regular stuff so then you have this yeah. this plateau that you think well oh that's how it goes and while on the regular end they're uh, just just like everyone else you know <laughs> and you also get to take and okay that this is how things go on on in this country on this side of the world Definitely. I love that part the most, man. I, I really do. You know, I love performing. I love creating music, but I think it's the end process for me is when you get to do a live show, you get to see the true reactions of of the crowd. Excuse me, how people feel about, you know, certain songs. It's their time to test what songs go over well, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I might have a song that might do well online but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when i perform it i'm like ah, i don't have the same punch you know what i mean or it doesn't it didn't hit the crowd the way i like or there's times where i work with my drummer or a producer and we'll we'll add more uh we'll spruce a record up just so it hits the crowd better you know because you can really control a crowd through frequencies and music and yeah, yeah when you're you know and that's on a deep level with music and so when you do a show that's why you know, and this is for just regular fans and just people to go to shows. That's why you might go to a show and you'll hear a different version of a song you love. It's so it has a bigger impact. When you do a show, things got to be bigger. Mm-hmm, you know, you're on a mm-hmm. stage. It can't sound like you're on the radio, yeah, you know, yeah, or yeah. you're in your basement. And so you'll see, you might see a different arrangement of like a bridge or a different arrangement of the hook. 
And I'm talking about just on the production side, not the vocals, but just yeah. a different arrangement of the music. So it's it's giving you this bigger impact and this bigger memory and also this exclusive experience where you leave and you go, yo, I love when he did X and X song, but it was so dope when he did this because yeah. it's not yeah. on the regular record. And that way you come away and only you had that experience because you went to that particular show. Ah, yeah. you know, you, and you might have someone to be like, well, I went to his other show. He didn't do that. He did this at this show. And you're like, ah, oh, he didn't do that at my show. And that's how you create these exclusive experiences ah. for people too. Ah, nice, nice. Oh, so that's the, and that's also, let's say, a way how you how you keep your your fans on, let's say, on on their toes. So that they know yeah, that, definitely. hey, when when, he, when when there's a show, it's going to be different and it's going to be... Uh, It's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. Uh, and Definitely. if you because uh, you you also have a degree in acting. How uh, if you look at the things you learned over over the course of getting that degree, are there stuff out of that that you apply and employ in being an artist and how you do business? I would say more on the performance side. It just you know, with acting is it's about expression, you know, mm -hmm. to being expressive. And even when you're in front of a camera, um, it's always important to be extra expressive because mm -hmm. it comes off better. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah. not seem that way, but it's like you almost got to be over dramatic when you shoot a music video. Just so it looks normal when it gets edited together, because if you're just kind of saying the words and then you'll see, you'll be like, yo, I look so dead. Like, I ain't got no energy and nothing. Yeah, And it's okay, depending on what you're going for in a video, but You know, what you just learned from acting, too, is just uh, you have to become that character and you got to learn about certain characters and characters have depth to them. And you have to really know that character to become that character. And I think when you when I create a song, I'm already thinking about how am I going to perform this song? Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? How do I want this song to look on stage? I'm not just writing it and going, oh, I hope it does well. I'm looking at the long term. Is this something that's going to be a part of my regular set list in the future? Or is this just a song I'm writing for the moment to get this point across? And I make those decisions, man. I'm always keeping the stage in mind just because I do so many live shows. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm different because... I tour and I do my live shows are not based off of having a hit single on the radio. I'm, I do my live shows off of my demand of my shows are very entertaining, high energy. Once I do them, I'm normally getting hit up, you know, hey, I heard someone saw this show. Can I book you for this? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I was amazed when I seen your show. Let me book you for this. I get booked off of my performance, my entertainment value um, before my actual music. Mm. Ah, yeah, nice. And If you were going to keep it keep keep it kind of still in in the I'm going to call it the acting category. If you look at um, in a lot of instances, there could be a difference between the person and the artist. If you look at yourself, is is there a difference between you, the person, and you, the artist? No, I'm I'm not the person that made up a, a gimmick to get on or anything. <laughs> I I am who I am, man. You know, um, I can't do anything else. Like I said, I wouldn't feel comfortable as an artist if I talked about the things I don't know or yeah, if I presented yeah. myself in a fashion that I just couldn't live with when I went home at night, <laughs> you know, to be honest. And I know there's some artists that are fine doing that. You yeah. know, I couldn't live that double life. You know, I just want to be myself and you love me for being myself, then I appreciate you. You yeah, know, and I yeah, rock yeah, with you yeah. hard, trust me. You know, uh, but that's the thing that you learn with acting, too, is 
you know, I would say the only thing changes with me is when I hit the stage, it's just that light switch going, which it mm. does with a lot of entertainers, not yeah. just music, but sports, you know, same thing. When you hit that the arena or the field or whatever, the stage, you get that's that's uh that light switch gotta go on. You yeah. gotta you gotta bring your normal self up to like level hundred. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah, you're normal, yeah. a real chill person, you gotta you can't be chill on the stage. You got a thousand, <laughs> two thousand people in front of you. You know what I mean? They not sitting there chill. So if anything, you know, it's just you bring you amplify yourself when you come on stage. It's okay for your inner personality to be bigger. Yeah. Not fake. You know, it needs to be understanding, not fake, not giving off a different brand, but just being bigger than your regular self because you have a lot of people that you're playing to that they want to get as much out of you as they can. You're like one person on stage unless you're in a group. Yeah. So you got all these people trying to get as much energy from one person as they can. So you got to get it to them. And you can't do that by being lazy on stage or, you know, not interacting with your crowd and not making a set list that keeps your audience interested as well. And that's something I'm conscious on, too, is you want to create a roller coaster for the mm -hmm, crowd. Mm -hmm. You don't want your set to stay the same all the way through. And you want to tell a story through your set. You want them to leave and then be like, man, I, I went through something. By the end of the show, you want them to be like, "Woo, I went through something. You know what I mean? So I keep all that in mind when I'm creating music in the post side of it. Uh, so you also like, like you say, you keep it in mind when you're creating music in the post side of it. Is that also mm -hmm. the way how you let's say tackle the the business end of it since you do you don't you don't only make music you're also really active on the other on the flip side of it yeah i'm i'm just as relentless on both sides man probably more even more a little bit more relentless on the business side because i understand how important it is uh you can have the best song in the world but if you can't promote it you can't expose it you don't have people that believe in your music it's tough man so I work hard on uh, weeding out companies that's not legit. Mm -hmm, I've worked mm -hmm. hard on uh, building partnerships where I know people are just as passionate as I am. You know, and that's some of the best advice I can give is you're going to have to build partnerships. You're going to have to spend money, you know, but you want the money to go to companies that are going to take your product and go, I love it like you love it. I'm yeah, going to be passionate yeah. about it. Like you, it's, it's not like you're just giving money. And you're going, oh, I hope they do their job, which I've been in that position a lot of times, but you want to be able to, you know, when you're investing in this company that is good for doing promotion on Spotify or YouTube yeah, yeah. or is good for getting your video on um, on a major network or or you're giving your money to a radio promoter, which is very expensive, you know, yeah. that your record's going to get played. You don't want to turn around and you're in, you're in court or you're having to sue people and you're constantly trying to get money back or people yeah. disappear on you. These are all the things that happen in the music industry all the time. And so... I pride myself that I'm in a space now that everybody that I have in place are legit, work hard, passionately care about my music, mm -hmm, passionately mm -hmm. care about the artists that I'm bringing on and want a long-term relationship. The longer-term relationship you can have with a partnership, the more they're going to know about you, the yeah, more they're going to yeah. understand your music, your yeah. releases, your, your other artists. So where you don't have to start over every time and be like, this is what we're about. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. This is the results we're looking for. It's just like, all right, let's look at your release schedule. This is what we're doing for this artist. This is the budget for this artist. This is the budget for this artist. This is when his single's dropping. This is when his EP's dropping. And everything is just working, you know, clockwork. The same way yeah. you see from a major label. Yeah, clockwork. Yeah. And if you if you look at uh, your your relentlessness, you also did sports for a long while. Did you develop that while being an athlete, 
or did you is that one of the characteristics you had from from the get-go let's say almost from from the womb man it's great question it's sports hands down my work ethic came from years and years of playing football baseball um any sports you play you cannot be lazy it's just not possible you have to put effort forward to play a sport and <laughs> Early on, you you decide, like with football, football is a very tough sport. Going through two-a-days, the shape you have to be in, lifting weights, uh, mentally knowing the amount of plays you got to know. It's it's a true test all around of the human mm -hmm. body. So you learn in those first few two-a-days, not nah, football is not for me. You know what I mean? Or, <laughs> or I'm going to stick this out. It's hard, yeah, yeah. but I can do this. You know what I mean? I'm so glad I played sports for so many years because I carried that relentless mind frame and that work ethic. Like I still work out hard to this day. I still lift weights, not crazy, but I still work out and I'm 40. I'm about to be 41 next month, but I'm working on trying to be basically Tom Brady being doing this as long as I can yeah. and taking care of myself yeah, because yeah. it's important. And I'm a father and I took that mind frame from a sports mind frame of take care of your body, take care of your mind, you know, take care of yourself. So you have longevity in this business. I'm able to still do what I'm doing at my age, which I'm not saying I'm old, but I fully still will be performing at 50, 55, probably 60 because yeah, yeah. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing right now to make sure I will be able to do that. You know? Ah, yeah. Nice. Nice. And what is, um, what is the difference? between wordsmith now at 40 and wordsmith <laughs> at four man uh the difference i don't know i don't think it's a big difference man i've always been a motivated person mm -hmm. i've always been determined so i think i had that early on and i think sports amplified my determination it, it uh gave me confirmation that I was a motivated, determined person. Because mm -hmm. again, to play a sport, you have to have some motivation and determination and perseverance. Yeah. And so I just learned like, okay, those are qualities that I had that I didn't know I had, you know, that football brought out of me. And uh, <clears throat> everything, everything I do, man, even if it's it's not something for myself, mm -hmm. I want to give it my all. You know, I don't, I don't want to have someone disappointed you know what i'm saying yeah disappointment and failure can come even when you give your best yeah but i want to give my best and if that failure comes it's like well we gave it our all let's learn why this failed and then that way when we do this the next time we hopefully will have a better shot of success i never look at failure as oh man why did this happen to me why is this going on i go all right this failed let's look at this analyze this yeah what why did this fail so this doesn't happen a second, third, fourth time. That's how I always look at failure in any facet of life. Mm, ah, nice, nice, and that's it, and that's also the the way that you know it's gonna you're gonna keep growing and doing what you're doing and keep improving and keep getting better. Uh, so that's a, that's a that's 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 a nice way to, the nice way to look at it. And if you look at um, your the mindset that you have, do you see that mindset also? pop up in the hip-hop culture i do especially more now because when i was first coming up it was all about just getting signed to a major label mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i just want to get on but as music changed and artists saw that you didn't really need a major label and that honestly it was just about you know you getting funders financing mm -hmm. getting 
getting a loan. A major label is just giving you a loan anyway. You know, once I think artists realize that, oh, that's what this is. It's basically just you're called a major label, but you're a bank yeah. giving me a loan <laughs> that I have to pay back if I'm not successful. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And once the artists learned that, they were like, uh, uh, I don't know that that's going to work for me because most of the time, you know, if someone's invested a million dollars in you and you don't and you're not successful. You're in debt pretty much the rest of your life. Yeah. So I've I've had you know opportunities early in my career to have meetings with Sony. I had opportunities to sit down with Universal when they were Universal Records back in the day only. Mm-hmm. And neither deals I took. Um, Universal more told me that they didn't feel like I had music that was enough to be commercial, which at that time I probably didn't. You know, mm-hmm. and I took it in stride. Whereas Sony really pressed me. Um, and the reason I didn't take the Sony deal, just being transparent, is they wanted to eat off of all my prior work, all my licensing work I had did prior to them. And I was mm. like, that's work I did on my own. Why yeah, would I yeah, give yeah. that up to you? You know, but I looked at it to them as you're just being a bank and you're trying to secure yourself. If this doesn't work out, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you'll be eating off my work that I did prior. <laughs> so I was like, no, nah, I'm good on this deal. And it's stuff like that where I'm glad I passed on that stuff because I've been able to be self-sufficient, successful. Yeah, Again, yeah. no, nah, I'm not a big celebrity artist. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But anything, any clothes I buy for my kids, any food I buy for my kids, any vacations we go on is all through my music, through yeah. my passion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've been made it. I've been made it. You know what I mean? And to any artist, that's my biggest advice to you. When you can take care of your family, offer your passion in life, you've made it. Anything else you get, notoriety, fame, that's literally that cherry on top. And that's why everybody doesn't get it. Yeah. Ah, that, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a actually a good way to look at it, actually, and and then then and using it as a metaphor that the the cherry is always smaller than the cake. So <laughs> yep. so, so let's say what you see at the, the 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 top end is always the I'm gonna call it those are the the the, the select few chosen ones that mm-hmm. are above the rest of the cake. So that's a, that's a, actually a yeah. nice a nice link to it. And if you look, so you did you did music side, sports side, but did you also do, for example, you're also a, a, a breaker or a graffiti artist back in the day? I wasn't, man. That I moved around a lot uh, growing up the early part of my life because my pops was in the army. Mm-hmm. So I was already around a lot of different cultures growing up before I, um, I came to Baltimore City mm-hmm. at 19, and I've been here ever since. So that's why this is home for me. But... Um, Because moving so much, I actually got introduced to hip hop culture while I was in Germany, believe it or not. Ah. And uh, yeah. And so, you know, of course, during that time, though in Germany, they were getting hip hop tapes and hip hop was somewhat exploited. It wasn't huge. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't go outside and there wasn't people, you know, in an alleyway or at a school or doing ciphers, beatboxing, you know what I mean? Doing graffiti, breakdancing. Well, we both know about hip hop. It's a culture as well. And the culture yeah, side yeah. hadn't made it to Germany. Just the music had, not the culture. Yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't actually till I got to the back to the States um, around, I would say, eight or nine that I got more engulfed in the culture. And I saw, oh, man, there's elements to hip hop. You know what I mean? It's not just the rhyming side. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. breaking and DJing. You know what I mean? It's, there's more to this. It's uh, even just the lifestyle, the clothes you wear, your hairstyle. It's it's just, it's a culture. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not just the music. 
And so though I wasn't really, I would say, involved uh, personally in that stuff, I realized the culture when I got back to the U.S. and I saw that this is much bigger um, than just seeing a video on TV. There's mm -hmm. people in other countries that are seeing this and they're starting to dress like a hip hop artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was awesome to see back in the day, man. You're like, man, th this wasn't even supposed to last. They said hip hop wasn't even going to last. Yeah. And it's it's global. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Now it's the biggest Biggest. Now it's the biggest genre of music in the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if and if you look at, of course, because I, I, I mean, I knew you guys traveled when you were young, but it, it, it now you remind me of it. How did let's say being be traveling young? How did you think that affected you for how you look your your own look at life in general? Because not there are not many that could say, "Hey, I uh, when I was young, I went to X amount of countries." Yeah, it, it helped me not have a racist bone in my body. It helped me from an early age just look at everybody the same. You know, I mean, I think if anything, it gave me the reverse effect. If I went anywhere and I saw just a dominant of one race, you know, just maybe just all white people or maybe just Asian people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it would. It would feel weird to me because I would be so used to seeing diversity, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, even if I, when I lived in Germany, I went to an American school, so it would be all these different military kids from all these different parts of the world that, you know, the family got stationed in Germany. So you would have a black kid, a Latino kid, you know what I mean? White yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. You would have all these different races in one class together. So I always just thought, this is how it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? this is life. You got this a bunch is, of different people. Yeah. This is life, you know, different people. Some people look different, have different accents, whatever, but I think it's cool. You know, yeah, I always yeah. looked at it as, man, that's so cool that you speak different or it's so cool that you do this that my family doesn't do. And I've always cherished that stuff. And it definitely helped me as I've, you know, I've gotten older and, you know, you meet friends that they're like, man, I've never even been to another state before. Or yeah. I've only been to one other state or I've only been to one other country. You go, what? You go, man, it just you're missing out on so much, you know, and it helps you understand people too and why they think the way they do, yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes. And I'll tell people like, if you just go travel here, it'll open your mind. Like what you're suffering from, you just need a different perspective. So if you go here, open your mind, I bet you can come back, you'd be different. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So you got to explore. Ah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you experienced from a young age already different cultures so I could assume your culture shock was actually returning to the U.S. <laughs> it was. It definitely was, man. <laughs> and, and and how did you how did you experience that that return? Like like, I mean now now it's of course home, but then before that, because you traveled yeah. so much, and then you arrived in, let's say you, you guys settled back down there. How how. What did that do? That, what did that do with you as a person? I was somewhat blind, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier when I had my incident in 2013. Uh, I was somewhat blind because I was so, around so much diversity, and I I wasn't oppressed as a as a black kid growing up mm -hmm. because I wasn't in America for bits and parts of times of that. So it wasn't until I came back here, and you know, you're in American schools and. There's literally no talk of black leaders. There's no talk of a lot of forgotten black, you know, war veterans. Everything you read about, unfortunately, is about 
you know, what white leaders have done. And a lot of the white leaders, unfortunately, were slave masters or at some point in time, you know, had slaves. Just you just find out that a lot of the people that they try to teach you about in the history mm -hmm. books are not, you know, what they're made to be. You know, it's just yeah, it's yeah. a country that. They know we have shame and they're like, well, let's raise up this guy because he did help us win this battle. But let's not talk about the fact that he had 50 slaves yeah, working yeah, on yeah. his. They leave they leave that out. And so think about it as you get older, it's almost equivalent of finding out that you got a brother you didn't know you had. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, huh? I, that used to happen to us or. How come I never heard about this black leader when I was this age or why was I, you know, and you learn that black people did so much that the reality is we made this country in America as black folks because the reality is the white community said, we're going to take this land from the Indians. First, we're going to steal it from them. We don't feel like doing all the work. So then we're going to go buy black folks, bring them here so they can do all the hard labor while we lay back in our houses and chill. And this is what was done in our country. So it's shameful. But that doesn't have to be our history. Yeah. And part of it not being the history in America is white community, number one, has to own up to yeah, I may have not personally did this. This may have been my ancestors, but this was our history now. So I'm owning up to it. This is a part of our history, but I'm part of being the change forward now. How can we rewrite this history now? Yeah, and that's yeah. one of my biggest imprints is how do we write this history from this point on? So when my kids or my age, they're more talking about this racial inequality is, you know, yeah, I dealt with it. I remember a little bit when I was, you know, 18. I yeah. remember a little bit when I was 14, but it's been 20 years now. Everything's been equal. You know what I mean? We, it's been live or die based on your own merit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been through work jobs where straight up I know I got passed over because I was black or I didn't get this and that because I was black. And again, that goes back to wanting to have my own business and be an entrepreneur. It's like, yeah. nah, I'm going to be successful on by myself. If I don't make it, that's on me. If I fail, that's on me. I don't yeah, want to yeah. fail because some dude way up top who maybe don't like black people or has an issue with culture or thinks black people aren't as smart goes, you might be doing a good job, but I'm going to go with Tommy over here. Cause I, cause I'm more comfortable with him cause he's white. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. 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 That's that's, that's, and if you look at, um, so you already have like a clear vision of how you would like, uh, the future to be, uh, how, um, do you already have like a, a, a step plan lined out of how you're at least how you're gonna do the impact to get to that future yeah uh one taking the steps to to sign artists which is something i haven't been able to do uh with my company mm -hmm. is um i'm signing five artists so i'm able to invest in them am i able to actually help their careers which in turn will help my company and help my company grow and flourish and uh, my end goal for that is eventually, you know, I'm always going to be involved in music. I always want to be able to perform, but I do want to get to a point where, you know, I'm not going to actively release new music on my own, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. more just be behind the scenes, run the business, make sure all my artists are doing well. You know, they're comfortable, they're successful, they're becoming businessmen on their own. I want to be able to slide into that role. And also I feel politics is in my future as well. And I've had mm -hmm. several people that, uh, have asked me, encouraged me to get into politics into the future. So, you know, I know getting into politics, you know, I would have to devote more time, you know, yeah, to yeah. that field. And so some stuff would have to slide back. So my long-term plan is, you know, have a successful independent label or independent major label. 
um, grow my, my nonprofit to a very respectable level where we have, you know, right now we're just working on the one music program, but I have homeless programs, police mm -hmm. reform programs oh, nice. uh, that I'm working on. So, you know, getting that to a, a really respectable level where we have great partners and these programs are running constantly, you know, and just myself as a musician, I just want to have somewhat of a legacy. You know, I'm not looking for a famous legacy, but I just want my legacy to be that, you know, um, I was a good person while I was here, yeah, that yeah. I made impactful music. But most of all, that, you know, I touched the lives of people. You know, they was able to learn from me and learn from um, the way I carried myself in this society. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Ah, and for the people who don't know you, where all could can they find you and connect with you? Definitely. You can hit my official website. It's wordsmithmusic.com. You can hit my label website. It's newrevcamp.com, which is N-U-R-E-V-C-A-M-P.com. On most of my socials, just look up Wordsmith, especially with Facebook and Twitter. On Instagram, it's Wordsmith Music. On YouTube, it's Wordsmith as well. And also, just feel free to reach out to me. It's Wordsmith at wordsmithmusic.com. I always answer back. So if you've got any questions, aspiring artists, or anything of that, you can just reach out. All right, all right. Thank you for taking the time out, you know, and having so we could have this talk. And like I said, big fan because uh, I, I just like the vibe you bring, you know. And um, I would encourage everyone to please check out his music, check him out, reach out, you know, and um, maybe he's going to be given a virtual tour in your area. Who knows? Follow the virtual tour. And for the rest, I want to wish everyone a if it's a nice evening have a nice evening a good day and i'll catch you on the next episode of the hip-hop minded professional thank you for listening to this episode of the hip-hop minded professional make sure to subscribe at your favorite streaming platform so that you don't miss the next episode and make sure to visit hiphopculturecoaching.com for more information on how hip-hop helps your mindset.